Marcelo Pico, and with me as always is... I'm uh, Marcus Irving. And we're here to discuss the work of one Richard, middle name, Kelly. Richard yes. Kelly. Uh, what is his middle name, Marcus? Richard, 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 Richard Kelly. Richard, Richard Kelly. <laughs> Richard, Richard Dick Kelly. Oh, hey, hey, Richard is actually his middle name. No way. What's his first name then? Yeah, his first name is James. James which, Richard Kelly. If I'm not Kelly. mistaken, Marcelo. What? That might be your middle name. No, it's not. <laughs> My middle name well, is I not mistaken. James. You are mistaken. I thought it was right. If you are mistaken, which you are, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not my middle name. It, it is a J, though. You're right, though. It, it's, a, it's, a, yeah. it's a J. Uh, I will reveal my middle name at the end of the show. Uh, moving on. So we're here. What are we here to discuss, Marcus? Okay, so last week uh, we discussed the film Domino which Richard Kelly wrote in 2005 to be directed by Tony Scott. And we had so much fun discussing Domino, <laughs> and we just could not fit it all into the commentary that we did for the film, that we decided we needed to come back and do a second episode to wrap up all of the possible com- possible extra conversation that we knew we had to have about the film Domino. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, you, you you nailed it. We did a commentary for the movie, and we just could not help ourselves. We got to come back and just wrap up these loose ends. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I'm happy we're doing this. Uh, uh, you make it seem like I, because I, I think this is ma- mainly uh, coming from my end. I kind of want. Uh, it's not that I'm doing this on purpose. <laughs> I feel like I'm adding episodes. Uh, leading up to uh, us talking Southland Tales, because that's that was supposed to be the main focus of this series, Southland Tales. It it, it was, but I I, under, I understand why this stuff is important. We do have to get, establish all of our bases, and also if we just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off, by the time we actually get there, we're gonna have so much so much to say that's been pent up inside of us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, and it's it's just, it's just going to be twice as good, I think. So honestly, exactly. it's probably a good idea that we uh, keep putting it off. It's like you know, uh, and, and this is uh, the conversation uh, today on Twitter on March seventh, two thousand twenty-one. It's like sex, right? You can't just you know do it. Uh, you can't just stick it in. You gotta, you gotta tease. What's that word foreplay? Yeah, I know what it is. Good <laughs> I lord, forgot, I forgot what foreplay was. For this a is second. the conversation on Twitter today, Marcella. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, on Twitter, and 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 this this is mainly for people who are on Twitter all the time and don't know how to spend their lives without Twitter. Uh, namely, me. Uh, this happens. This has been happening like once. Like every two weeks now for the last few months where somebody on Twitter says, hey, just get rid of sex scenes in movies. We don't need sex scenes. Uh, One of those days. Yeah. So Uh. earlier this morning uh, on a Sunday on God's Day, uh, everybody was like saying, hey, sex scenes are good. Why? Then blaming Marvel for like desexualizing Hollywood movies. I don't know. Whatever. Right. But I I say that and it's timely because... um, you know, as part of our research for this episode, digging deeper into Domino, uh, yeah. which, which I think might be the title of the episode, digging deeper into Domino. Uh, part of my research was listening to that commentary with Richard Kelly and Tony Scott, and Tony Scott describing the difference between love scenes and fuck scenes. 
So right, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, yes, this is foreplay. That's my point. Uh, and once we talk about Southland Tales uh, later on, it'll be much better. It'll be well worth the wait. That's what I keep telling myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. What did we discover by listening to all these commentaries, by watching all this behind the scenes uh, stuff? I watched, I think, all of the uh, 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 bonus features on this Blu-ray. Um uh, Marcus, what what did you end up doing? Did you also do the same? Yeah. Did you watch everything on the Blu-ray? I I watched everything on the Blu-ray except for uh, one of the commentaries, uh, which yes. I could not make it through. Why don't we talk but about I that? did everything else, so we can talk about whatever. I have the Blu-ray here handy. I'm just gonna. This this might be a uh, a full like hour long advertisement for this Blu-ray because I highly recommend it. It looks great. Um, it uh, sounds great. A lot of bonus features. Uh, there's a commentary by Tony Scott and Richard Kelly, recorded separately, mm-hmm. but still a lively conversation uh, from those two. Um, yeah. Conversation, I guess, with themselves, not with each other. Um, yeah. There's the alternate audio track. It says here, script notes and story development meetings with Scott Kelly, uh, executive producer Zach, uh, I can't pronounce his name, Schiff Abrams, and co-star Tom Waits. He pops in there for that commentary track. You could not get through. Uh, no. And there, there are also, it says here, two high-impact featurettes. Uh, one is called I'm a Bounty Hunter. Uh, Domino Harvey's life. The other one is called Bounty, Hun- Bounty Hunting on Acid. Uh, Tony mm-hmm. Scott's visual style. Those are, so yes. And then bonus. Sorry. And then deleted scenes in high definition. It says mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And I watched all those. And uh, I watched the featurettes and the theatrical trailers. Hey, there are two of them on here. I listened to the commentary track with Scott and Kelly, and I listened to about three-fourths of the alternate audio track that you cannot make it through, Marcus. And I'll tell you this, I would have listened to the whole thing if I didn't have to stop and do this uh, podcast recording. Okay, interesting. We'll talk about that. Shall we talk about that now? Should we yeah, talk about why something not? else since, now? Since what do you want to talk about? Let's. I'll jump into that because why not? Because that's the last okay. thing. That's, okay. So that's, yes. that's the last thing I heard. So why the, why why couldn't you make it through this alternate audio track with? Uh, I, uh, that 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 felt like it was secretly recorded by Tony Scott. <laughs> yes. So yes, the the first commentary track is it's two different commentary tracks one by richard kelly one by tony scott they're spliced together but they are doing a commentary for the movie it still feels like a commentary even if those two aren't together right right um but the second commentary track isn't really a commentary track it's it's uh it's like secret recordings of script meetings or something that yeah it sounds like you, you said it right it sounds like they were secretly recorded of like richard kelly discussing this scene with the producers and the producers say hey we should probably cut like 30 seconds out of the scene and richard kelly's like ah, my, my vision <laughs> my I, vision I'm, I'm the artist <laughs> <laughs> And then Tony's like, we should cut 30 seconds out. And, and Richard's like, yes, sir. And, but it's, I don't know. I found it to be just, I only listened to it for about five to 10 minutes or something. And I thought it was just unlistenable. I don't know. I, it, uh, it was, the, the audio recording was bad. It was content that I 
truly did not care about in any way. Maybe, maybe there's some gems in there, Marcelo. Did you find anything worthwhile from the commentary? Because you said you were liking it. You said you wanted to finish it, but I stopped you. So what? What? I uh, what, yeah. You, you, stopped, you stopped me by saying we should record this podcast we were planning on for the last week, and I'm like, fine, Marcus. I'll yeah. stop <laughs> listening to this alternate audio track. Um, yeah. Now, in in the main commentary with with uh, Scott and Kelly, I think Kelly does bring up that. Tony Scott liked to record all these production meetings. Um, uh, I'm assuming pre-production meetings, obviously, because they're talking about the script and what you know, what to cut out and stuff. Yeah. Um, and Kelly on the commentary says uh, he told Scott that uh, it's like Scott, aren't you worried that uh, these will come back to haunt you? Because um, mm-hmm. Kelly uh, would like watch Scott as he you know records these conversations, and he and. <laughs> Kelly tells a story of like Scott pausing the tape, telling like a joke, then resuming the tape, you know, and presume, yeah. you know, presumably the jokes were in bad taste, you know. But hey, yeah. where, who doesn't make you know jokes that are in bad taste, you know, amongst friends, you know, that are not recorded for podcasts or you know production meetings, right? It happens. Sure. Um, but what's there, you know, there, there's some cringy moments. There's certainly some 2005. You know, not so PC anymore moments in 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 these production meeting uh, audio tracks, but I found it informative in a way that like at least I was interested in what these people had to say and like the uh, development of the process of like a screenwriter talking to a director. Uh, much like I think I mentioned this in the last episode. You know, much like how I brought up the fact that Ridley Scott had these meetings with. Um, What's his face? Damien Lindelof, uh, when they were making Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of like that, where you can tell, you, you, get, you can get a sense of like what uh, in the movie is, you know, more Kelly versus Tony Scott, right? And right. when it comes to that, I found it informative because, for example, uh, this this came to mind like the 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 first ladies, you know, bank robbery uh, heist and those masks, right? I think yeah. I think it was Kelly who brought up the idea of making them like politicians and like having like uh, Richard Rumsfeld be a mask, you know, and, and like other like uh, Bush era politicians be, you know, those those masks instead of the first ladies. But then Scott's like, I don't want to make this. You know, not to quote him directly, but to paraphrase it, Scott goes like, that seems too political for me. Let's just make it, like, general. And you can hear Kelly and Scott kind of get into this argument about, you know, mm. Kelly's like, don't dumb it down for people. Like, you know, we're, you know, why not be pointed? Why not be, you know, to use a better word, like, political? And then Kelly's like, okay, fine, we'll just leave it at that. Then you guys will think of something. <laughs> and and that, huh. so it's it's, you know... As it goes along, there's like moments like that that are interesting, and I get it. Like, it does see, and it's not like it's like a shot-for-shot commentary, you know, uh, audio track, right? You know, like the like the primary audio track with Scott and Kelly. I am fascinated because apparently these, I don't know how many meetings they had. It seems like they had at least. A, a handful of meetings that were recorded, and I feel bad for the audio tech behind, the, you know, the the Warner Brothers uh, Blu-ray DVD special features producer who had to listen through all this shit and like have it match, yeah. have it match to each scene in the film. 
that seems like you know uh, a lot of work, yeah. painstaking, and yeah. it's something we don't see at all ever. Like, there's I don't I can't think of any other commentary track that's like this, where mm-hmm. it's like real, like audio tracks from pre-production meetings spliced into, you know, spliced together like to to, to form an audio commentary. Anyway, I, I I liked it. You gave it like a one out of ten. I'm giving it like a solid like. Seven out of ten. It's it's good. All right. Yeah. I, 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 it is, I, I it is a fascinating it. idea. I think. Yeah. It's, for it's, me, it was like. It's yeah. it's more like, you know, instead of like doing a a um you know behind the scenes uh, documentary, which I would have loved to have seen, you know, we don't get you know a big you know sweeping one like uh you know a Ridley Scott movie has like you know behind the scenes documentaries we get this which is like sort of like it's yeah uh i appreciate at least uh, uh, this kind of peek behind the curtain so yes on that front i enjoyed it i enjoyed these two just arguing about scenes that were not shot and hey, hey, hey it gives a lot of insight into kelly and how he works so um yeah what did you get out of the commentary the main commentary with kelly and the main Scott. commentary. Yeah, what's what's uh, what's your like general take on since this is a Richard Kelly podcast primarily? What was your major take on Kelly? Because I have a take on Kelly after listening to him on the commentary. On track. Richard Kelly specifically? Yeah, let's start there. Um, that is very. Uh, I don't know. He he came off well to me again, uh, like he did in that the previous commentaries for Donnie Darko that we've been listening to and all the behind the scenes stuff that we had to watch for that. I, I, he he comes off as kind of a charming guy to me still. Uh, he seems like very uh, uh, respectful of Tony Scott. He, he does a whole hell of a lot of praising of Tony Scott throughout the thing. Um, I don't know. What was your big takeaway of Richard Kelly specifically from the commentary? Uh, it's kind of sort of the same. Uh, I... <clears throat> Excuse me, I also have to clear my throat. Um, I I found it interesting that he ke- he kept bringing up Southland Tales <laughs> during the yeah. commentary, um, and Tony Scott did too. And to- yeah, Tony Scott did too. Because um, I guess uh, I don't think we knew this last week when we did the commentary, or I- at least I didn't know. I'm not going to presume what you knew or didn't know, uh, uh, Marcus. Uh, last week, okay, um, but tell me if you knew that Scott had read um, Southland Tales, a script. And, no, and that, I didn't. That, and that was a reason why uh, he was like, "Yeah, let's have Richard Kelly write this uh, Domino script." Because, right, because uh, uh, Tony had been trying to get this film made for like ten years or something, and he had gone through multiple scripts and scriptwriters, and he saw Donnie Darko and liked it, and then he read. Richard's Southland Tales script and said, hey, I want this guy to do this. And then they came together and apparently he had a good enough pitch for him to say, yeah, you should write the movie. Yeah. Um, I thought that was interesting. So that, uh, what came to mind is like, uh, he just kept bringing up Southland Tales because he was about to shoot Southland Tales. I think like a week. He was a week away. Yeah. uh, As of, as of him recording that commentary. Yeah. Um, and also I, one huge thing I, I got from this commentary, listen to Kelly, uh, was that I wrote? I wrote it down here. Richard Kelly hates the DMV, uh, <laughs> which sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, he kept hammering home how the DMV is terrible and like how that. I guess that was his pitch. I think the first words out of Kelly's mouth to Tony yeah. Scott was DMV. <laughs> Just <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know. I I I, I, I guess that was. 
I don't know if a sh- I don't know if surprise oh, is the right yeah. word. Yeah. Okay. 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 And okay. So yes, Richard Kelly says that as well. He's Richard Kelly says that, and then a little later in the commentary when they're actually at the DMV, Tony Scott says that too, and he says that about Richard Kelly that Richard Kelly hated the DMV, and that he got the idea for the DMV from a time that Richard Kelly had to go to the DMV because he was a naughty boy. <laughs> yes, I I remember him so, saying that. Yeah, I remember him I, saying I, that. I, I, I did a lot of searching, like, trying to find, like, Richard Kelly DUI or anything. I couldn't find anything, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what that's about, but maybe we'll be able to find that out sometime. Maybe in our research here in the coming weeks. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I thought, and and I, maybe this was in the commentary. Maybe this was somewhere else in the on on the bonus features. I think Kelly might have said, or I think it might have been brought up that he was just there getting his license, his first license uh, when he moved to California, and that's why. I don't think it was because he had a DUI. You think it was just... a joke from Tony Scott? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's maybe. A funny joke. Uh, Oh, I don't know who to believe, whether it's Kelly saying, oh, I was just there getting my license, or Tony Scott saying, uh, yes, he... he, And you you don't know who to believe, because the two do kind of contradict each other a couple times on the commentary. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. Where, like, later in the movie, when... People are start when we're all being very confused by the plot, which we'll we'll get into later. Yes, um, yes. The and the 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 film is like putting up like graphics to try to connect certain characters to each other and to try to lay out information as clearly as possible. Yeah, and they're like in these green boxes that are like connected by lines. So they both have different ideas as to where that idea came from. Richard Kelly says that he personally drew the those graphics and showed them to Tony Scott to try to help him make sense of the of the plot and then Tony Scott says that it was an idea that he had <laughs> and that he gave it to the the editor and then like him and the editor came up with the specific look of it together he doesn't even mention Kelly having a part in it. So who, who knows where that actually came from then? I forget where I heard this or where I'm, I'm getting this from, but it, it may have been like another product, another documentary or production or like some news, uh, some interview I read. But it seems to me like on set. Oh, now, now this is killing me where, where I'm getting this from. There's like a confluence of ideas and it's hard to keep track of like whose idea is whose and like who to take who uh, who should take credit for what. And I'm not saying you know, you know they're they're both or one is right, one is wrong. Maybe they're both right in some way. Maybe Kelly did write something, and then maybe but Scott also had another idea. Maybe they just came up with the mm-hmm. same idea at the same time. I don't know. It's 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 uh, what I'm getting at is. That's like run of the mill. Like, oh, I came up with that idea. Oh, I, I came up with that idea. Like, but sure, it seems to happen on like a lot of films where you know who knows who came up with what at one point. Because like, even even I mentioned like it's saying it seemed like a Kelly thing to do. Like those graphics, I think in the last episode we did in the commentary, I'm like, oh, that seems like something Kelly would do. And of course, it it's no surprise that Kelly took credit for it. You know, maybe he came up with like some. You know, here's 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 my new uh, uh, here's my new headcanon on, on how that came about. Maybe Kelly wrote maybe Kelly wrote something out, 
you know, something to the effect of that. Scott looked at it and he goes, no, that looks like bullshit. He he rewrote it and then gave it to his editor and then that's how it happened. So I'm guessing that's the story. Yeah, yeah. Possible. I wish we had seen the original title sequence. I thought that... Oh, uh, yeah. They discussed that, like, the title sequence that was put together was just something done by the editor and they really liked it or whatever, but the title sequence that was written into the script, which is also a thing I didn't think would be written into a script... Um, it's just like a title sequence overall. But anyway, apparently it was like written into the script that the title sequence would be like dominoes falling in a line, like going from Europe or something to for wherever uh, wherever Domino is from to eventually end up in Las Vegas. That, that sounded interesting, but Tony Scott said he didn't have the funds to shoot it that way. And then he also called Richard Kelly a naughty boy for that. It's like, how dare this naughty boy do this? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah. That, I, I after after I heard that, I wanted to uh, track down this the script, this original script of Domino, because I wonder. It, it does feel like there were some changes made, obviously, because what what you know, there's always changes, but um, something that's not surprising to me is uh, how. Kelly describes this movie. He's like, and I don't think it it does what he says it does. But I'm that's why I want to look at his original script just to see how even more batshit that script is. Because yeah. in the commentary, Kelly says this movie, this story feels like end of the worldish, like uh, almost like apocalyptic, like anything can happen. Yeah, yeah, he does bring that up in the commentary. And he says, "Oh, I, I have, uh, I, I write that uh, too much in my scripts, or something to that effect." And he goes, "I wonder if mm-hmm. I'll make a movie that doesn't deal with that." Uh, we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about this. He also, or Richard, he brought um, near the end of the thing. He's talking about how he loves how prolific. Uh, Tony Scott is and how he just keeps making movies and he mentions that he would oh, like yeah. to keep making a movie a year <laughs> Kelly yeah <laughs> his career. and I got really sad <laughs> we could have had that future we didn't get it oh boy yeah Kelly says I, I, I'm gonna be like Tony Scott and make a movie a year yeah. um, oh. oh boy um, poor guy yeah so I, I, I looked at his filmography again and like yeah we're, we're discussing a five year no wait, no, not five years. It's a it's a it's a eight year span of three movies, but in between uh, Donnie Darko and Southland Tales, it's five years uh, where he makes two movies and one script um, for Domino, which is uh, yeah, I mean not as prolific as he would have wanted. Uh, but hey, we'll see. Maybe the maybe the twenty twenties will be nonstop Richard Kelly films. Uh, we can only dream. <laughs> um, what else? Let's see. Uh, did you catch all of the moments that we uh, touched on last week with the commentary where we thought, oh, this is kind of um, cringy? Uh, like the strip tease, like the, like the, 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 yeah. the stripping moment, right? Did you um, catch Kelly try to say, hey, this isn't supposed to be misogynistic? Uh, this is yeah. yeah yeah yeah. I found and, that uh, interesting. Like he's like, ah, I think people will find the humor in this, <laughs> and like he also said that he kind of tried to cut it out of the movie, but Tony was like, no, we got to keep it in or something. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Kelly, well, at least you tried. But uh, yeah. no, it doesn't work. And he and also same uh, on the same vein of that, uh, his uh, portrayal of um, the driver, Alf, and how that's not supposed to be stereotypical. But I don't know. I don't think uh, they succeeded in not making it stereotypical. No, they, no, they really didn't. No. Uh, but I, I, I appreciate at least the fact that they mention it, that they say, hey, we're trying not to, you know, play up these, these stereotypical roles. Oh, same with uh, the Jerry Springer sequence, which I really wanted some answers on that. But um, I, I, I kind of got like what what uh, what they said in the commentary. And I think and also in the alternate track of the, at the, at the production meetings, it, it's kind of what I already figured. Like he the only reason you know kelly is adding all this in is to kind of like um prove a point of you know fame and where where it is in the current age and you know um i think he even says in the production meeting uh, this may seem offensive this may sound offensive but remember it's from 2005 spoken by richard kelly uh his 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 direct words are uh, no uh, Oprah doesn't uh, feature ghetto people. That's what he says, right? Which I guess, in a way, is true, right? It's Jerry Springer and those types who used to like put you know these you know quote unquote ghetto people on air, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like I, like I tried to say in the last episode, like I know he's like tossing these ideas out there. But what do they eventually, you know, equate to? Like, what's like the point in the end? Like, I don't know. It, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. He's he talks about how he wanted to like make some commentary on celebrity culture, which I think he's. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was something that he had written more into the script, and Tony just didn't really focus on, or because that, that's that is something that he does pretty successfully in his next movie, and it seems like this one he intended to be planting those seeds or doing it more but I just don't think it really comes off in the end and again it comes off kind of mildly offensive yeah I don't know and another thing he he talked about a lot in the commentary was um, um, healthcare uh, he said that a lot, yeah. like more than I yeah. would have thought. You know, uh, I, I actually didn't realize that was in that was something he was like trying to play with thematically, like um, the 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 granddaughter who's like ill and like who needs the money for the operation. Like Kelly keeps saying, like it's because she doesn't have like health care. Like she doesn't, you know, she has to, she can't afford health care. She sure. and that's an issue. Obviously, still is an issue. It was an issue back then, but yeah, again, not something that's like crystal clear. In the final product, but again, he's really adamant about. Maybe again, maybe the script plays more into that, but I don't know. Um, it's 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 interesting to me. I'm glad we're doing this because I think it is it does play into South Antel's because uh, he 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 is one to throw these ideas out there. Um, but yeah, it, it, they don't stick. I think you're yeah. I'm with you. They don't stick as well here as they do in uh, South Antel's. Uh, what else? What else did you have, Marcus? In terms of like commentary, or maybe we can move on um, to the other things on the on the bonus features. Yeah, just let me look here. I think I think it was funny that Tony Scott said he had to read the script three times to understand <laughs> the plot, and that's as I had to watch the movie. 
I watched the movie two times and then read the Wikipedia, and I'm still confused by it. No. Um, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that uh, in a bit. Tony fell in... Okay, Richard Kelly says that... I thought this was great. That him and Tony Scott went to go see a screening of Collateral, Michael Mann's Collateral. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's where Tony fell in love with digital cameras. I thought, yeah. and he went to like a to like a director talk thing after the movie to talk to Michael Mann about the digital camera work. And I thought that was very cute. Yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> uh, oh, something else interesting that the the RV scenes those were filmed like while they were actually driving the RV. And I thought that was like insane. Yeah, like, yeah. Of. Tony Scott kept saying they filmed it like uh, like the, the the arm being blown off. Uh, moment was yeah. filmed on an even, RV that was even, going 60 miles an hour. Yeah. I thought that was wild. Yeah. Um, they they do mention True rom- true Romance, Marcus. Yeah. Remember last week I was mentioning True Romance. Um, see, I'm... Um, what's the word? I'm... Uh, what's the word? Why is it that... Why is it people do that? Why is it people... Like, I, I'm about to say something. I know what the word is. I just can't think of the word. Is there a word for that? <laughs> is there a word for forgetting a word? Yeah. Uh, yeah, forgetting. <laughs> so I'm forgetting the word, right? Um, yeah. It's it's a word that means I'm like uh, I'm right in my assumptions of uh, this being very similar to true romance, and even people were pointing that out to Tony Scott. I think even Tony Scott says it in the commentary. It's like people were saying, "Oh, yeah, like Tony, this is too much like true romance." But then Tony's response is like, "Well, you know, uh, this is something normally that happens in like a lot of action movies where the good guys and the bad guys have a shootout." So, yeah, I and I I didn't say that as like a bad thing. I just I was like, "Oh, it kind of reminds me of that." And even Kelly says like, "Yeah, true romance is is his favorite Tony Scott movie," and right. he, he sees the the parallels there, but. It it is it is different though it is it much it much more different For than sure, uh, yeah. true it, ro- romance. It's something that I didn't even really make the connection to until you reminded me of it um, during that commentary. Yeah, it just shows how smart I am. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You see things that no other humans really see. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's what's great about you, Priscilla. I've been saying that forever. Nobody listens to me. You know, I, I say <laughs> I I see things. None of you can even like dream about. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I think we're ready to move on from the commentary, right? Anything last from you? Uh, Tony Scott uh, put on. No, Tony Scott made. Um, my Edgar Ramirez wear his speedos. Yeah, that was nice. So, Tony. <laughs> uh, so the we can get into like. Let's get into the the to like the second featurette, I think, and the thing that I sent you to watch for this for this episode. Oh yeah, uh, the, um, the featurette is called "Bounty Hunting on Acid: Colon Tony Scott's Visual Style." Right. So that that's the thing that both of us remarked about on that commentary was how much we loved the look of the movie, and or at least I did. I don't, I don't remember what you said. Uh, that it's very distinctive. It's got this kind of like. Uh, I don't know, like weird washed out colors and uh, fast and slow down, and like it looks like it's missing frames in places. It's it's 
it's it's cool and anyway so they they kind of go in depth on that uh style how it was achieved in that second featurette that you just mentioned bounty hunting on acid and i I don't know i found it interesting i thought it's only like seven minutes long or something ten minutes long but it was interesting so like they achieved I Marcel, you know more about cameras and stuff than me, but like they achieved, uh, they achieved like the the sped up and slowed down look by like using a hand cranked camera that so like the the film was exposed for like basically randomly based on how fast or slow the camera operator was cranking it, and uh, they also like purposefully did this thing where they'd uh, purposefully. Uh, develop the film in the incorrect way to make it come out sort of washed out or different color like different colors would come to the foreground i I thought it was i thought it was really fascinating i actually really did like watching this marcello yeah what do you think i (laughs) love your exasperated like pass over to me um i i also found it fascinating like i i knew some of this like even in the commentary i'm like yeah hand cranked cameras and and like I don't think I said frame rate, but in my head, I'm like, yeah, they play with the frame rate. But yeah, they broke it down into... I, I was so fascinated by them talking about it and watching you know, the, the thing you sent me that they also mentioned in the bonus feature. Uh, the, the, the short film Agent Orange from Amazon Theater, yeah. which I had never yeah. seen before. Um, where uh, Tony Scott plays around with this hand-cranked hand cranked camera technique of um, frames going uh, one frame a second or six frames a second to like 24 frames a second. And when when I move... And, and I was so fascinated that I picked up my digital camera and also played around with like the frame rates. And I'm like, oh yeah, I, I, I can replicate like this Tony Scott feel by just like wow. changing the frame rate from like 24 to one to six. So uh, expect some videos from me just messing around with that frame That's rate cool. with my cats That's later cool. on. Um, but this yeah. Movie, uh, this movie rekindled your love of filmmaking. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, and I think, I think, <clears throat> I think anybody can, can do that. And I think it's fascinating that they said at the end of that bonus feature, that um, they expect other filmmakers in the future to like use these techniques, and uh, I, I, I think it's I, th- I think they're right. I think especially like a, a, a movie maker like Michael Ma- uh, Michael Bay, not Michael Mann, or Rung Michael. I think Michael yeah. Bay uses that. Uh, who Guy Ritchie, I guess, I, used that right. I yeah. think Joe Carnahan might have in Smoke and Aces. Like now, I'm thinking about it. Like yeah, parts yeah. of that movie kind of look like this. Even like uh, I was watching uh, Joe uh, Carhan's A Team last night, some of that, and yeah, there's there's some yeah there's that Tony Scott esque style there too. Um, but but yeah, it's it's something I love about Tony Scott that he was ahead of the curve with with those techniques, especially yeah. in like mainstream films. He just wanted to experiment, and what I didn't know, and I think what they brought up in the um, this bonus feature in the commentary is how. Tony Scott and also Ridley Scott um, had been, or maybe maybe Ridley Scott's still doing this. I'm not sure. Uh, they do like 
European commercials. Like they still work, you know, even as they're making yeah. movies. And Tony Scott used to make these Marlboro uh, European commercials where he'd play around with like different techniques, and um, I, I found that fascinating. Like they they kind of mess around with like you know small scale with those commercials, and then they use like those techniques in like their you know bigger you know projects. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I did. I did think that was very interesting. I wanted to look up some of those Marlboro uh, ads, but I didn't end up doing it. But I did look up the the Amazon ad, the Agent Orange that you mentioned, and I sent it to you, and we both watched it. And I thought it was really interesting. Like it is really like just a smaller scale version of Domino. Like everything you see in that movie, in that uh, short. And the movie is like replicated in the other, like the the slow down, sped up, the the weird distorted colors, the um the way the colors, the yeah, yeah. Anyway, I I I, I, I think the the see the the short kind of, I mean, it's whatever. It's like a a weird avant garde commercial for Amazon, kind of. Which I mean, it doesn't feel like a commercial, but yeah, which is which is weird. I I, I did some quick research on it, which just means googling it, and because I, yeah. I I had not watched it before, which is insane. Because like you think me as a big Tony Scott head wouldn't have watched it before, but uh, but no, and uh, I had no recollection, I had no memory of like Amazon doing these short films, and like if you look up. Amazon Theater colon Agent Orange, which is like the title of this thing. You'll see that Amazon also did like other shorts like this for their website. Uh, I don't know exactly why. I guess just just to do it, just to get people mm-hmm. talking about Amazon on their website in like 2004 or whatever, or, or whenever um, these came out. And like the first article that pops up when you look this up says... Uh, Amazon's new, you know, short films are a mess. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that was a consensus, but that was interesting that that was the first thing that popped up. Um, but it seemed like, again, even that seems like ahead of its time because that was like 2004 and like they were doing things that event like now seem like, you know, just the norm. Like, I, I, uh, do, oh, well, do you remember any of this, Marcus? Maybe maybe you're too young. What are you, like 19 years old? Do you remember uh, yeah. Amazon? <laughs> you are 19? Okay. No, I don't remember Am- Agent Orange or Amazon Theater in general. I didn't know it existed. I did know that, like, you know, famous directors used to do commercials and stuff. Like, like I've seen, like, the David Lynch PlayStation 2 commercials and stuff. Oh, that's right, yeah. They're all... And they kind of... Like, I, I love the idea that they just kind of do whatever the hell and the company is forced to stick with it. And I respect that idea. Um, because, I mean, this, this, this Agent Orange thing is, like... It's unfollowable. It's like a guy is... A guy meets a girl who's dressed in all orange in the subway, and then she leaves, and he's obsessed with her, and he, like, slowly starts turning more and more orange until he's orange enough to meet with her. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But, uh, and it sucked, I thought. <laughs> Did you like it? <laughs> Thank you for sending it to it was, me then, Marcus. <laughs> You're, like, very, no, I, very I, I adamant. I thought it was very interesting. You're very adamant watch about this. Marcelo, watch this. It's... You said it's important. You, should, you, you we cannot record it if you don't important. watch. You're right. It is important. I, I'm just pulling your chain. It, 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 I mean, technically, it's like um, it's amazing to see him like um, mess around with this, be be experimental with uh, the process, yeah. right? But I don't know. The story is okay. Uh, it, it's it's uh, it reminds me of like um, those car commercial. 
those car short films. Like there was one with like Clive Owen, and like you could only watch them initially like on a DVD that came with like a magazine um, in the early two thousands. Mm. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about, Marcus? No, 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 not yeah. that one specifically. No. I think I think I had to watch one of these for a Soderbergh uh, podcast once because I think Soderbergh made one of these short films, uh, and yeah, like I said. Uh, the early 2000s were weird because like I want to say some of these short films came on a disc you know with like a PC magazine or something um, but yeah crazy time but uh, but hey nowadays Spike Jones can make like a European uh, uh, you know commercial that's like you know 10 minutes long you know starring that girl from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, with her dancing like um, weapon of choice and that'll you know win awards so we've We've uh, gone a long way, is what I'm saying, Marcus. We've come, we sure have come a long, long way. <laughs> Speaking of which, so that's it, folks. We'll see you next week. Um, <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> now, no, no, no. Okay. There's more to talk about about Domino. We got to get into it. What else? What else do we need to talk well, about? So we've we only we, just scratched the surface. We, we 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 talked about the form of this movie, you know, the look of it. You yeah, know, it stems, you know, like we said, it stems from, you know. Oh, I should mention Man on Fire. I mean, Man on Fire. Uh, what I like about Tony Scott and like how he talks about his movies is like he's like an artist, uh, like a painter, who like um, you know after he's done after he's done with one work, he takes some of that work and puts it into his, into next, his next piece. Yeah. And I saw that with like going from Man on Fire to uh, to this Domino, and yeah, that Agent Orange short film and his Marlboro ads, presumably also like are kind of like connective tissue between you know Man on Fire and this. So yes, that's fascinating. So I think we've 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 talked enough about that visual style. What else can we talk about? Do you think it's time for us to talk about the actual story and unwrap its many mysteries? Yes, yes, Marcelo. I, I think I think it's I, we're ready. We've we've discussed everything around it. I think we need to finally get into what is the plot of this movie that <laughs> we have now both seen multiple times. I've seen at least two and no wait three almost three times. How many times have you seen it now? Two. <laughs> so not that many times. <laughs> no. Okay, I've seen it like two, two. and a half. Um. We, we we teased last week, last episode, about us coming back and solving the mysteries of Domino. Because uh, even Tony Scott couldn't even wrap his head around it, uh, having made the movie, I don't think. Um, mm. Marcus, I'm going to point to you. Because you said yeah. uh, off mic that you worked tirelessly for 30 minutes yes. before we recorded on trying to make sense of the plot. So what I want you to do now is make sense of Domino, the plot, from beginning to end. All right, I'm ready. Uh, Okay, so Domino Harvey. She is a former fashion model and the daughter of famous actor Lawrence Harvey. And uh, as she's growing up, she becomes disinterested with her uh, fake Hollywood life and decides to go out and try to do something real where she answers a newspaper ad to... Uh, become a bounty hunter and at the bounty hunter thing that she goes to she answers the newspaper ad she goes to meet Ed Martinez and Choco who are two bounty hunters and she gets connected with them and their bail bondsman is that that the right word their bondsman uh, Claremont uh, 
Claremont, who also runs a, uh, an armored car business on the side and has a mistress named Letitia, who works at the DMV and has a granddaughter who is suffering from some sort of blood disease that would require an operation that costs $300,000. Claremont uses his... So that, that's all the setup. Now, Claremont uses his armored car business to... Uh, <clears throat> which is transporting $10 million from the owner of the Stratosphere, which is a big uh, restaurant bar thing, hotel in Las Vegas. <clears throat> Claremont hatches a plan to steal the $10 million and then pin it on somebody else and negotiate a and, and uh, claim to have found the $10 million and negotiate a finder's fee of $300,000 to get the money for Letitia's granddaughter's... Uh, 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 operation. So, Letitia, she also, she works at the DMV, but at the, her DMV job, she also, uh, runs, like, a counterfeit license racket, and one day, uh, a teenager named Francis, uh, who is, <clears throat> who, unnotes to her, is the son of a, uh, a big crime family, the Sigliuti crime family, I think. I don't know how you pronounce it. And she gives the kid four uh, fake licenses, and she is contacted by the FBI to give over information about Francis, which she does, but she lies. She, uh, she gives them false information, saying that Francis uh, wanted the four... Um, the four uh, fake licenses because he was planning to uh, seal the $10 million from the armed car, from the armed uh, armored car robbery. Um, so, flash forward, Letitia and her friends, they actually steal the money from the arm, arm, armored car, but um, Claremont has them pull out of the robbery when he discovers that Francis has mob ties and he gets worried about it. And he knows that, like, the FBI is onto them. Uh, again, this, this is where I am still confused. Yeah, uh, a yeah, was, bit. Uh, yeah this, uh, this portion is where I was going to ask questions, but uh, continue. Yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Claremont has Letitia and her friends pull out and they leave the $10 million with Locus, who was the driver... Um, who takes the money um, back to back home to his trailer with his mom? Uh, the and Claremont tells the bounty hunters to go round up Francis and his three friends, uh, his his brother and, and their two friends. Um, and to deliver them to uh to the. Sigliuti, no, not to the Sigliutis, to the, to the, the Stratosphere owners' crime family, or whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> I already lost it. Yeah. This is so confusing. The okay, so the bounty hunters they deliver Francis and his friends to the Stratosphere owners' men, who uh, let who let Francis and his friends go when they find out they actually don't know anything about the robbery. So that they, they, they failed to try to pin it on them. But 
the FBI tells, they find out that uh, the Stratosphere owner now has his now has the Sigliuti son. So the FBI let the Sig, uh, leak to the F- Sigliuti family that uh, the Stratosphere owner um, has killed the uh, has killed Francis, uh, their their son. Uh, I don't I don't know why they do that, <laughs> but anyway. So the bounty hunters um, they now go get the ten million dollars from Locus, blast off his arm, um, and they go and take that ten million dollars uh, to Las Vegas, where they give uh, three hundred thousand of it to. Uh, Letitia, so she has the money for her operation, at her granddaughter's operation, and uh, Alf, the driver, he takes the rest of the ten million and sets it up to give to um, his friends to take back to Afghanistan, I think, and so they they go to the meeting to give the fake ten million dollars, which is now just a bunch of bombs. Uh, to the Stratosphere owner, and when they get there, uh, it just so happens that the FBI, the Stratosphere owner's men, and the Sigliuti family, who are coming to avenge their son Francis, have all met up in this place, and there's a giant shootout, and the only one that survives, that we know of, I guess, is Domino, and, uh, yeah, and she gets out. <laughs> and they let her go. Gets to Afghanistan. She's fine. <clears throat> um, everything's fine. Now, uh, you may have touched on this, and, and just to reiterate, if you already touched on it, or maybe maybe you didn't, because um, I did look at my phone for a bit uh, as you were talking. Great. Marcus. <laughs> Great. No, I understand. It sucks. It, it's boring. <laughs> I'm boring. <laughs> Get it. Um, the FBI. I did a bad job. No, 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 no. Uh, I think you did a great job, but. They're the FBI. Why exactly are they feeding information to like the the, the, the mafia? That is something I don't understand. Yeah, that, see, that seems like a yeah. It's, maybe maybe they don't, or maybe maybe they maybe it's not intentional, and they do think that Francis has been killed, and they're informing the Sigliuti family. But I also don't know why they would do that in the first place. Yeah, see, that's that's a that's a messy thing right there because I don't under, I don't understand because yeah. uh, the film doesn't. There are, doesn't there are s- yeah, I was gonna say the film Sorry. doesn't make it any clearer because um, there's like a um, you know you can't trust the narrator because you see the kids get killed but they're not actually killed. You see uh, right. uh, Domino identify the first ladies as people who aren't the first ladies, so it's it, it's complicated. It maybe would you say it's like need need needlessly complicated, Marcus? It is, and I think perhaps that these things that we're still not quite understanding, perhaps uh, they are just big leaps in logic that the film does take, which on top of being told in a non-linear way, and uh, and being presented in a kind of hard to follow way. Maybe it seems a little unfair for them to do that because it seems like something that should have an answer, but I don't know if it does. Do you think it's intentional in how confusing it is? Mm, I don't know. Do you think, I, 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 I cannot I cannot say. Do you think that's Richard Kelly's style? 
now that we're talking about definitely like, yeah right because um <laughs> definitely he 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 loves non-linear storytelling he loves uh he loves big puzzles and putting stuff together i'm, wa- I'm watching think, making you do it work I'm watching the film in the background on mute as i always do and I look up and I see Lucy Liu uh, tell um, Karen Knightley, yeah, the subtitle says, that doesn't make any fucking sense. So, yeah, yeah, I think I, th- I think there's some uh, something intentional there with how convoluted this whole thing. And I think even in like those pre-production meetings, uh, Kelly says, yes, it's supposed to be um, convoluted. It, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. It's uh, frustrating at times, but I don't know. Listen, we say all that. Yeah, okay. I don't. Again, I don't want to say we because I don't. I don't know how you feel, Marcus. You know, I say all that, but there's enough of there's enough in there that I like that I could forgive some of this stuff that I don't understand. Yes. Um, yes. But really, those moments where I don't understand, it is frustrating. It is, it is frustrating. <laughs> I'm almost angry at those moments. But no, overall, <laughs> I, st- I still do. I still do like the movie. I, I think it's. I think it's. Eh, it definitely holds up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what else I can we say? I, I enjoyed a lot. So okay. So yeah, we, there's two more things that we haven't really touched on yet. Uh, we've got the deleted scenes, and we've got the "I Am a Bounty Hunter" documentary. Oh yes, yes. Uh, um, let's just uh, wrap up the the. De- I think the deleted scenes aren't aren't much to talk about. I don't yeah, think no, um, there's about like yeah you know, seven, seven minutes, minutes total of them. Uh, um, it, it, interesting in that um, they they don't have all the deleted scenes in there because. Um, in the Domino documentary, they showed like a, a a quick glimpse of another deleted scene that I was expecting to see in the deleted scenes. They have a, like a deleted scene in the documentary of Domino, uh, Karen Knightley as Domino dressed up um, in like a wig, seducing like a, a bounty, and oh. uh, uh, she, she she takes this guy into the bathroom, and then uh, she and then he falls out of the bathroom like handcuffed and like. Um, uh, Ed and, and Chuko come and pick him up, um, but that wasn't in the deleted scenes. That was just a, a, a behind-the-scenes moment in the documentary, which was odd. That's interesting. Yeah, Didn't notice um, that. Uh, but the, the the scenes themselves, like, yeah, it, it was it was kind of cool to see um, them tripping on mescaline. Uh, there's a yeah. quick shot of that. Uh, they're in the hotel tripping, but. Yeah, of course, it, it got cut. It's not necessary. Um, what else? What, what other deleted scenes are there? So, right. Um, so I uh, there's also uh, like uh, more setup of showing Domino as a child and how she was, I don't know, like rowdy or whatever. Uh, she like uh, taped up her babysitter. Um, there's another one. Like, let's see. They also do expand a little bit more, like uh, show more of Ian Searing and Brian Austin Green. Oh, yeah. Uh, which uh, there's another f- kind of funny scene uh, with them that they cut out, which is fine. And, and another, oh, and the there was a scene that wrapped up um, <clears throat> Christopher Walken and Mia Savari's characters. Oh, yeah. Uh, kind of explained how they got out of the desert or whatever which or wherever they how they left yeah which which is uh, i would not have minded that in there because i do feel like yeah. that's that i i may have even kind said it i made it i may have even said that in the commentary that 
Um, it just feels like a something that's just left unsettled. Like, hey, they just blow, yeah. they blow up that van, and then we don't see Christopher Walken or Mina Savari ever again. And that scene, that delete no. scene, would have explained it. So, I uh, make a special edition. Add that scene back in. Mm-hmm. And I guess the other scene that, uh, Marcel, you, you told me that you found the most fascinating <laughs> and that you were talking, trying to talk to me about before we started recording was they kind of had an expanded version of the sex scene from the movie. <laughs> and, uh, uh, in uh, So Tony Scott direct, uh, did commentary for all of the deleted scenes, and for the commentary for that scene, he says he calls it a... He calls the expanded sex scene a nasty fuck scene, <laughs> while the one in the movie is like a passionate love scene. Yep. Um, and I love how they in the deleted scene they used a um, Jimi Hendrix sound alike. I don't think they actually used yeah uh, along the watchtower. But uh, yeah. but no, uh, folks <clears throat> listening at home, if you have the Blu-ray, if you have the DVD, if you have the deleted scene, sync it up to Jimi Hendrix all along the watchtower, and that's the that's the fuck scene that Tony Scott <laughs> originally wanted in the movie. But then as soon as he saw that in the right. movie, he goes, "Nah, let's just make it like a nice tender love scene." Um, yeah, and we're not paraphrasing. That's what Tony Scott calls this a fuck scene. So that was surprising going from the commentary, hearing him explain that to actually seeing the deleted scene, which honestly, Marcus, I don't know about you, but kind of feels the same as the love scene. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just like a little, a little longer. Yeah. And I guess the, 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 what is it? The, uh, the, the song that you mentioned all along the watchtower that, that gives it a little bit more of a different tone, I guess, but but yeah, it's, it's the, not that much different. The color is kind of different. Maybe the cutting is a bit different. But no, it's it's essentially the same. It, they but both you, they both are shirtless and grinding mm-hmm. on each other. It's basically. And, and you, you love them both equally. Uh, uh, no, I I, I I would rather. I mean, if if I had to choose between the love scene or the fuck scene, I don't know. <laughs> gun to my head. <sighs> Come back to me. I'll, I'll, I'll reveal that <laughs> at the end of the episode, whether I'll go love scene or fuck scene. All right. All right. And then, okay, so that's all the, the deleted scenes. They're they're kind of whatever. Again, we said seven minutes. They don't add anything crucial or anything. No. But uh, then the last uh, thing on the Blu-ray of Substance, I would say, is the I Am a Bounty Hunter Domino Harvey's story. Yes. Documentary. Um, so, yeah, it's like a little 20 minute uh, mini documentary on the woman herself, uh, kind of explaining her, her upbringing into how she became a bounty hunter, into uh, what she did as a bounty hunter, into her eventual <clears throat> uh, le- leaving of that life into her death. And, uh, I I don't know. I, I this was I think I don't I don't feel like I got much from this, Marcelo. I, I I don't know how you think about it. Uh it's it's interesting but nothing revelatory. I, I kind of knew all this going in because I did yes. like do some research uh, on it. And um <clears throat> what's what's interesting about Domino Harvey the real person is I didn't know how close she was to Tony Scott after uh, well, I I, I, don't yeah. know, I don't know how close they were, and then listening to the commentary, and then reading more about it, 
and they might have said some of this in the documentary. Um, I, I was like, oh, like Tony Scott was best friends with um, Domino's stepfather, and uh, Scott uh, was sort of like a you know father figure to Domino, the real person. And right. um, yeah, you, you get you get that sense with Tony Scott uh, as he's like talking about uh, her and like her death and like how tragic it is um but the essential details are kind of repeated that we know already like domino was a model you know grew up you know in in this you know posh circumstance but then wanted to just uh rebel and became a bounty hunter kind of a troublemaker yeah kid. yeah uh I, I i what i found interesting was like um the interview with like the real chuko and like her and like his yeah. um, description of domino um, uh, I'm surprised that Ed, the real Ed, didn't show up because I was wondering uh, uh, where is he. Apparently, at, when they were making this, I'm not sure if he's still alive or or what he's up to currently. Uh, but I mean, he he was around, um, so they they didn't interview him though. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what what else we can say about the documentary. I mean, it's it's informative enough. Did you listen to the Richard Kelly? Um, I did a, a, a Domino Harvey interview alternate commentary for this documentary. Yeah, did you? Yeah, I did. Did, did you so, get anything interesting from that? <laughs> no. <laughs> so this, so the, the yeah, so the, the documentary, it's kind of whatever. It's 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 telling you points that I mean, you said that you knew all of this because you did information. I, I felt like I knew all of this because of the movie told you these things, like the movie, like the parts of the movie that are true are how she became a bounty hunter by answering a, a call in a newspaper to go to a seminar. And, uh, and obviously they shush things up for the film, but a lot of the, a lot of that real life stuff is the exact same in the movie. <clears throat> and, uh, so yeah, there's not there's not much value in in that in that documentary, I don't think. But uh, Richard Kelly, uh, he did an interview with Domino. I'm assuming before um, the script writing process was fully done, or somewhere in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, gathering basically like gathering information. It's like a short twenty minute interview with Domino. Um, and. It's uh, the, just the audio of that interview is overlaid on top of the documentary as a commentary. So again, not a really not a, not necessarily a real commentary. And I I think I had a similar problem that I did with the 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 second commentary, the script notes one, where I had trouble understanding it. Like I think it if it had subtitles or something, which which weren't an option. I, I just think the audio quality is kind of poor. I and think, she has Domino has a you know thick what? accent, Marcus. I think, for me to discern. I think you're the problem here. <laughs> you think I'm the problem? Well, uh, uh, I'll tell you how I listen to this, and and then I want you to tell me how you listen to this stuff. So I put this on my mm-hmm. PlayStation. Uh, I hooked my headphones into my uh, PlayStation controller and uh, listened to it that way. So maybe I caught more uh, listening through it on my headphones than maybe you did. Because how did you listen to this? Well, I, did, I didn't use headphones. That's true. It was just coming out of my TV, but uh, I had it out pretty loud. Like really loud? Um, like so I, your, your, your neighbors were banging on the wall? No. Nah, uh, no. But the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just negate your joke entirely. Uh, I, yeah. 
No, I, I, I actually found... I, I started to play it at 1.5 speed. And <laughs> what w- once... No, 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 shut up. Uh, once I did that, I actually understood her more. Okay. So I went back to the beginning and played it at 1.5 st- speed, and that part was less of an issue for me. But still... Uh, still, the audio quality is not great, Marcel. You, you can't you can't say that it's it's perfect. All right, okay, f- fair enough. On 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 this track that we're talking about with Kelly and Domino, and the uh, alternate track with a production meeting. Yes, the uh, lousy audio all around. But I uh, I yes. found it easier to listen to with my headphones on. So. All right. well, uh, there were some interesting I, tidbits. I wish I had discovered that one easy trick. Yeah, but your trick but is playing it at 1.5 speed for some reason, and your brain thinking that sound made, made it sound better. So. Yeah. You fucking weirdo. All right. That will turn any British person into an American person. <laughs> just playing them at 1.5 times speed. So what you're saying is the British speak slower. Sure, yeah. And they need, they need, to, they need, to, they need to fucking move it along. Um, speaking exactly. of moving it along, uh, any any tidbits in, in in that commentary with Kelly and Domino? I, again, a, not really. A lot of it was this kind of Same retread stuff. ground. It, yeah, yeah like, like for like I, the third time. I was really I interested in like the real life Ed and Choco, and I found it interesting whenever she yeah. mentioned them. Like apparently Ed really did blow off his toe um, accidentally. Um, <laughs> we we mentioned. <laughs> We mentioned how Alf kind of got a rough deal in the movie, uh, kind of portrayed stereotypically, and it seems in real life, the real life person that they're based on uh, got an even worse deal. She just refers to him as the Afghani, doesn't know his name. It's... Eh, I don't know. That was very troubling to me. Yeah, the, the, the way she described him, too, was painful to listen to because apparently the real Alf... In quotes, like was um, uh, tortured as a youth in this country, yeah. and his face yeah. was disfigured, and his uh, fingernails were ripped off. So uh, horrible, horrible, um, terrible, terrible. Uh, that that that's about as much as I found interesting in that conversation. I can't think of anything else. Um, no, really, nothing. Beyond that, I would like to talk about. Uh, a few things I found on researching Domino Harvey, the real person, uh, as yeah. we as we wrap up. So, um, I read her, her obituary, um, and uh, I found mention of Ed, the real life Ed. And apparently, yeah. Ed had talked to Domino uh, Harvey um, on uh, the, the the day she died. And they had a long conversation about how, huh. at that point in her life, I don't know if you knew this, uh, Marcus, but uh, Domino Harvey um, was facing charges on on, on drug trafficking. And mm-hmm. uh, in that article, in that like long obituary, um, uh, Ed is interviewed, and Ed mentions that Domino uh, talks about the charges and says that she's being set up. Um, they don't make it clear as to who's setting her up or, or like in what, what circumstances those are. And then reading another article, um, uh, uh, Domino's real-life mother, uh, Pauline Stone, there's like a whole article about her and her family and how pa- it was, um, I think, Domino's uh, stepbrother who turned her in uh, for those drug charges. 
Um, and the only evidence was um, uh, statements made, uh, I think, from family members. So, I mean, I, I, I wrote down these details. And they're not in full. Don't quote me exactly, but... I find it interesting that even like after her death, like all these allegations are made, and like um, I don't know, her. I guess my point is her family is pretty messed up. So, um, but she did die of an overdose, which is terrible. Like her her last day uh, on this earth was, um, you know, talking to Ed for a while. Then she talked to one of the producers of the film. Uh, I think yeah, she had a party. Yeah, the- um, and then she was found by a uh, – in, in the article, it's uh, a minder. She had a minder just to uh, keep tabs on her so she could stay clean because at this point in her life, she was um, dealing with drug um, you know, uh, drug addiction. But, yeah, she died of an overdose that day and uh, was found that night and could not be resuscitated, and she passed away. Um, one other thing I want to bring up. That I did not know, but had an inkling about that I kind of maybe read about earlier, uh, a few years ago. That I uh, I needed to get like um, affirmation on was um, Pauline Stone, Domino's mother, uh, came out before the film came out, and this article may not have made you know big waves, but um, I mean apparently it happened. Uh, Pauline Stone said that Domino was upset about the film. Uh, because the oh. film was portraying her as a heterosexual, and Domino in real life was a lesbian. Um, oh. But th- this was all coming from Pauline Stone's, though. Um, her, like, uh, all the quotes are from Pauline Stone, and Pauline Stone says, like, Domino is, like, um, doesn't want, you know, is shy about the media at this point and doesn't want to talk to anybody. But I'll I'll, I'll tell how it is. Like, uh, Domino feels maybe not portrayed but like just that the film doesn't um, handle her life the way she wanted it to be mainly focusing on her sexuality so I don't know if that's completely true or not but uh, coming from you know Domino's mother that's the case that Domino could have possibly been uh, upset that the film painted her as a uh, straight woman when she's actually uh, a lesbian yeah that that, that, that is a shame if that, if that is the case um uh, uh, part of the the documentary about her on the on the film, you mentioned that she talked to one of the producers of the movie on her last day, and uh, the the producer mentions that she hadn't seen the film yet, so, but she was still excited to. So I, that I don't know, the producer might be lying there. Yeah, but, uh, well, I mean, uh, uh, that that'd be the first time a Hollywood producer would would lie, I think ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I th- but uh, it, what's what's interesting is like Richard Kelly in his commentary mentions that, and and Kelly and and uh, Scott recorded their commentary after Domino's passing, like two months after. Um, yes, I think Kelly says that Domino Harvey did see a cut of the movie, so I don't know who to believe. <clears throat> I don't know. Like, mm. and, and and yeah, Domino Harvey does make an appearance in the film at the very end, and like in that documentary yeah. about Harvey, we see her like on set and we see her hanging around with like Kara Knightley so I don't know I don't know it, it, it's 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 not for us Marcus to like be like the end all be all of the life of Domino Harvey um, no if I had another like six months of research time then maybe but I had about like six hours <laughs> yeah but, yeah 
Um, but, but, uh, but I guess in the end, and and uh, well, I have closing thoughts, Marcus. But is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we we have our closing thoughts on this? No, I I think we hit everything that I had in my notes. Um, I think uh, I think we're ready to send this one send this one home. Send Marcella. this one home. Yeah. Um, so take us there. Yeah. So uh, I'll just say I'm glad again we 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 did this because um, I, I I do love this movie. I do. I said this from the beginning. Like I, this movie. Uh, helped me love movies. Helped me love my. Um, helped me develop my taste. I think Marcus put it well when he said last episode that I like movies with you know hot girls with um, guns. Uh, I forget what exactly yeah. you said, Marcus, but yeah, I, I think <laughs> yes. he, I think he hit the nail on the head. Um, but uh, I I also love this movie because it's a Tony Scott movie, and I love Tony Scott. And I find it fascinating that he did Man on Fire and Domino, like back to back. And these two movies, to me, um, unfortunately, like kind of like point to how Tony Scott was as a person. Uh, because let's not forget that he ultimately passed away um, by suicide a few years after making this. Um, and I find it painful to to hear him say that he connected. I mean, it makes sense that he connects with these types of people, like Domino Harvey. You know, like that's you know that's why he became like a father figure to her um, because he he understands that point of view of like seeking you know these reckless um, you know uh, uh, yeah, it, it being reckless with their behaviors and and like being on the edge and yeah and it's. It's tragic that she passed away before the movie came out, and yeah, I, I, I can tell that he was troubled by, you know, her passing. So, yeah. um, painful at times to dig into this movie, knowing, you know, Domino Harvey and her end, and Tony Scott and his end. But uh, but hey, this is a Richard Kelly podcast, <laughs> and he's he's doing just <laughs> fine. He's alive. He's sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm glad we did this. I'm glad we dedicated this time uh, for the movie Domino. Um, all right, which 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 leaves us uh, with the future, Marcus. Uh, I mean, did, yeah. did, did okay? Did you have anything else to say about Domino? I think I took up all the all the all the Domino line. No, I I, I I mostly agree with you. I'm also glad we did this. I think it is a fascinating movie. I don't think I have the same spiritual connection to it that. <clears throat> Uh, perhaps you do. Yeah, I'd say. But um, all, all of your, but all of your points there um, uh, about, about uh, Tony Scott and his, his troubles and stuff. Uh, I found them all very poignant. Thank you for saying them. Uh, but I, I will tell you a film that I do have a significant attack, uh, a, a, a attraction attack. to, uh, <laughs> a significant uh, feel, uh, amount of feelings towards is Richard Kelly's Southland Tales. And I think Marcelo, we're just about ready to start talking about it. I don't. But wait, hundred percent though. If we're quite there, can we say we are? I'm not sure. So uh, let's do this on mic because I think this is worthy podcast material. Okay. okay? Um, so the plan is, and this could change in the next episode. Uh, I, this is what I like about this series. It's not planned out to the T. Um, I did not expect to do four episodes so far in this, uh, but we'll see what happens when we eventually do South- Southland Tales. But the plan eventually will be to do Southland Tales uh, in 
13 parts, I think is what we said, right? Um, 13 reels, in quotes. Um, but before we dig into Southland Tales um, uh, that way, we have to talk about the prequel comic books. We have to talk about the, sh- okay. the short film that precedes Southland Tales, right? There's a short film. Um, I think we can even talk about Richard Kelly's short films that he made uh, before mm. Southland Tales, like even before Donnie Darko. Uh, we could dedicate a whole episode to all that before we even talk about Southland Tales, the movie. Right, Marcus? I I agree with you, folks. I, 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 folks, I'm sad <laughs> to say that it's going to be at least one more episode before we're actually talking about Southland Tales proper, but we're going to get there, and like I said earlier, it's going to be worth the wait, because we're going to have so much pent-up energy that we're just going to explode onto the... <laughs> Onto our tape recorders here. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and into your ears. All right. We're going to explode <laughs> in people's ears. Um, but yeah, uh, the next episode, yeah. next episode, we're going to be talking about the prequel comics and the short films. Unless unless we somehow find out that Richard Kelly made another movie uh, in between Domino and Southland Tales. But I, I don't think he did. I think he just went directly. Yeah. He, on the commentary, he said he went from making Domino to making Southland Tales. Um. So yeah, sure. we're, we're we're very close. We're very close, and we'll talk about. And yeah, we, uh, this is gonna be an off my conversation, but we have to do a commentary for Southland Tales, um, and I don't know if it's gonna be before or after we we do the thirteen part deep dive. We'll figure it out, right? We'll uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll do all these things. We'll we'll figure it out all behind the scenes for you guys. <laughs> no reason for you to get bogged down in the minutia of of our script notes. No, absolutely not. Uh, unlike the unlike the people behind the Blu-ray of Domino who <laughs> think that you need to be <laughs> burdened with their script notes. I, I, I uh, uh, the bonus features of this podcast series should just be our off-mic conversations, uh, <laughs> figuring out what the hell we're going to do next. Um, but anyway, yeah, next episode we're not going to be to South on Tales yet, but we're going to be close enough. So yes, yeah, stay tuned for that. All right, that's it. Um, do we do plugs on this? I don't think we do. I can't remember now. No, no we, we, we specifically do not ever. Okay, no so, plugs. Talk from society.com. No. Um, follow Marcus Survey at Junk Blader. Uh, are you on Twitch? Are you on Twitch? <laughs> are you on Twitch? <laughs> sure, yeah, that same thing that Marcella just said. You can find me on Twitch if you type that in. <laughs> uh, is it. Uh, this is like an off mic conversation, but. The is PlayStation it- Network. You want to play some Call of Duty with me? <laughs> Go Type there. in Junk Blader. Junk Blader. Just. J U N K B L A D E R. Right. PlayStation Network. Uh, Twitch. Uh, are you on uh, Instagram? I do have an Insta. It's probably. Probably not that name is it I'm, at, I'm not fully unified across all crop platforms should, yet is, is somebody taking the uh the, the the profile name junk blader on instagram they better have not probably not no but. no no uh anyway uh that's it uh what do we say at the end of these marcus uh, well folks we just like to remind you to have a nice apocalypse bye everybody bye